We are in our series called Advent, and Advent is the four-week period leading up to Christmas. Uh, and it may not be a part of your tradition. It was part of mine growing up, uh, and, and that was to, uh, to celebrate. And each week uh, represented... Sorry, I'm getting myself situated here. Uh, every week uh, represented a different um, aspect of, uh, of the Advent really means the arrival or coming uh, of, of the birth of Jesus. Uh, and as we understand him to be our Messiah. And, but it also is a foreshadowing of, of the future, of uh, the return of Christ's second coming and making all things right. And so uh, last week, Larry uh, led us in the first week, which is the week of hope. Uh, and this week is uh, the week of peace. Now, um, how many of you, has anybody here ever gone skydiving? Anybody here? Yeah, yeah. I remember the day that I went skydiving. I went skydiving when I was younger. I was actually surprised. Well done, this, uh, this side of the room over here. And, and then you guys were all sitting on the same row. Like, I, I feel like it, like, draws adventure people together, right? Well, uh, when I was in my early 20s, uh, a friend of mine, my roommate actually, uh, we had this, a similar birthday. It was like two days apart from each other. We decided, hey, we're going to go skydiving for our birthday. So we, uh, we did, and we got up early in the morning. We, we showed up, and it was like maybe like 20 people from our church that we all went together to go skydiving, the pastor included. So Larry, I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, and uh, so we get out there, and, and, and uh, you know, they, they, they got us on the on the on the runway, and they, you know, they put you on all the straps and stuff, and, uh, and then I was, you know, it was my first jump, so I was going tandem, so there was another, there was a gentleman standing behind me, and he's strapped up, I'm like, whoa, huh, hello, sir, how are you, and then, uh, you know, you get into the airplane, right, and, uh, and, uh, and you're sitting in this airplane, this is perfectly functioning airplane, and you take off, right, and so far, you're, it's normal, because this is, you know, we, we're, we're all used to airplanes, and it's kind of a part of normal, normal life now, right, but, but you're in this airplane, and there was maybe like 30 people in here, and you're getting higher and higher and higher, and you just hear the humming of the engine and, and the anticipation and the excitement, and then uh, the door opened, and these guys, there was like, uh, maybe like 15 or 20 guys that were just going on their own, they all just jumped out. And I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's what we're doing here. And, uh, and so then there's like six of us that were doing tandem, and, and we slide down closer to the door, and we're looking out. And you're, you're in an airplane, and you're looking at this, this door is open, right? The doors aren't supposed to be open on the airplane, right? And, uh, and you just kind of see out. And, and so we get closer, and then... Um, I don't remember the name of, uh, of the guy that I was jumping with. Uh, he gets close to the window, and uh, he's like, all right, Alberto, you ready? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, okay, well, you can let go of the doors. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I'm going to count to three, and then we're going to jump. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready. He's like, you can let go of the doors now. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. He goes, one. <laughs> and he did, and it, we just were tumbling in the air, right? And I remember this being... Um, one of the most incredible and loud and violent and intense moments, and we're and we're just we're free, free falling, and we're 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 doing somersault, and the wind is just so powerful because you're falling at you know the such an accelerated rate, and it's just like, and and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, but I couldn't hear anything but the wind. It was just this incredible moment. I'm like, you know, you got the thing on your face. And, right and then uh he kind of levels out and you know, I'm still like you know and uh and then finally he pulls the chute um and after this intense jerk 
You go from like this moment of like intensity and, and craziness and violence and, and loudness, and then all of a sudden, there's absolutely nothing. There's a silence that's deafening. And you can look for miles and miles and miles away. And you can see, I saw the whole landscape in front of me. There wasn't even birds around because you're so high up, right? And I could see cars, but I couldn't hear any sound. And it was the most peaceful moment that I've ever experienced. And when we talk about peace, we often want that kind of an experience. But the reality is that moment was peaceful because it was an absence of really everything else. And peace is a can't be that way for us. Because the kind of peace that God is providing for us is not an absence of things, because then we would just never really have anything around us, right? It's, uh, peace is that moment before your kids wake up, right? It's just that moment of silence, and then, and then it's fleeting, and it's gone, right? You know, like, or, or when I take kids to camp, we, we, we go to camp, and the kids love going to camp, because it's like, it's like getting out of the city, and getting away from, from trouble, and, and the problems of home, but inevitably, we got to get on that bus. And, and, and sometimes you can see their demeanor changing as we get back, right? God's peace is, is not the absence of something, but God's peace is the presence of something. And that's what I want to share with us this morning. And I think that that's what the, what the word of the Lord wants to, to share with us this morning, is that this peace that God offers to us is, is less about uh, an abstraction of something and more about an addition of something into our lives, into the craziness that is what we do. And right, and it's interesting that peace is, some, is something associated with Christmas because I think in America, Christmas has no longer become something peaceful, right? You know, we usher in the Christmas season with Black Friday and that is this, this rush to get, you know, the biggest TV or the newest phone or whatever you have to get and like all these deals and discounts and, and stampedes uh, at Walmart and, uh, and and target and um and it could also become this crazy experience but also like the intensity of having to do christmas shoppings and family events and and sometimes the the things that were supposed to be the things that give us the most peace become the heirs of most turmoil and struggle and strife and problems and um but this is the uh this is the peace that God wants to give us. It's not an absence. It's an addition of something. And, and in John 14, um, it starts like this. It says, my peace I give you. Jesus, speak, speaking to his disciples, he said, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives it. Well, I lost my reference there. So I'm going to have to go to the Bible. We'll, we'll have to actually read the Bible. It says this. John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, peace is not the absence of something, but it's the addition of something. And it's that's the presence of Jesus. Peace is not, uh, and when I say peace, I mean, I don't mean just the, just the silence or just the quietness or the stillness. But we mean that shalom that we talked about in the Neighbors uh, uh, series. We talked about that wholeness that comes from God. We talked about that, that uh, integrity, that, that, uh, that rest that comes. It's that flourishment 
that comes from the Lord. And Jesus is saying here, my, a peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. So what we need to understand is that it's, uh, it's not something that we have inside of us. It's not something that internally that I have to practice or develop. It is a gift from God. It is something that Jesus himself is going to give to us. Peace is not the absence of strife. It is the presence of God. The presence of Jesus Christ himself in our life. So peace, the peace that, that Jesus is talking about, the peace that God is talking about, it, it can, it's inseparable from Jesus himself. Because it is himself, it is he who gives it to us. So uh, let's look at Philippians uh, chapter 4. If you have your Bible, turn with me. Uh, Philippians chapter 4. And this is a verse that my father uh, drilled into my life from an early age. Uh, my dad would make us uh, memorize Bible verses if we misbehave. If that was like the, the punishment that he, he would uh, put on us, which has like good and bad connotations. Like I'm not like necessarily condoning this or like promoting this to parents. I don't think uh, this is how we're going to deal with Sapito, you know, but, uh, but I am grateful because at, at some point I did memorize a lots, a lots of verses, right? So that gives you a little insight into, um, into my life and, and childhood, right? <laughs> but, uh, Philippians four, uh, verses six and seven, it says this, and I want to I want to preface this by calling this uh, the warrior peace, and which seems like an oxymoron. And the Bible is full of really really great apparent contradictions and oxymorons that uh, aren't contradictions, but just speak of the the complexity of God and His creation and the wonder that is who He is. He's not a simple God that we can put in our um, put it in our pockets and just carry with us. And it says this. Um, it says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. It almost like stops us there for a second uh, because the assumption here is that there is uh, something to be anxious about. Right? That, that there's, because there are. Right? If we think about our life, if we think about all the things that we have, there's tons and tons and tons and tons of things to be anxious about. Right? And, uh, and yet it says to us, do not be anxious about anything. Uh, this is, part of this is, the struggle here is that this is, um, is that this puts us in a challenging place. Because then I have to ask myself, well, what, what do you mean don't be anxious about anything? <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's just not simple, right? And, it, and maybe it's like coming from someone who, like, if, if a millionaire came up to you and said, like, hey, don't be anxious about paying your rent. Like, you'll be fine. If you're like, yeah, that's easy for you because you've got millions and millions of dollars. You don't have to worry about that. I don't make that much money. I'm anxious about my rent. Like, I'm anxious about these things about our life, right? And, uh, and but what's interesting here is that, that this is written by... Uh, this is written by Paul, and at the moment of him writing this, he's actually in prison. And this is actually, he's in prison in Rome, facing what eventually will be his execution. And this is Paul saying, do not be anxious 
about anything. It's like, guys, don't be anxious. It's okay. Something's going to be, this is going to be okay. Don't be anxious about anything. I mean, and, and that's not easy because this, this may be like a moment to moment thing, right? Even last night, as I was trying to calm myself down to go to bed, I'm like, well, let me just read some news. That was a mistake. <laughs> Right? And then I spent like 45 minutes like, ah! you know? And, and then I, I felt the Lord saying like, yeah, you're going to preach tomorrow about not being anxious? <laughs> nice. And I'm like, okay, Lord. So I put into practice all the things. Okay, let me, let me put this on the Lord. Let me pray. Right? But, um, <laughs> and this is also reminiscent of, uh, this, this verse is always reminiscent. What, would you, what, Paul is saying here, do not be anxious about anything, is, is reminiscent of Jesus' words in Matthew 6, when Jesus himself said, do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. He said, do not worry about those things. He said, the, the, the birds of the air, they don't worry about all these things. Your heavenly Father takes care of them. How much more valuable are you to him than these? And, uh, and now, let me clarify something here. All right, when Jesus is saying, don't worry, he's not like, it's not like, don't worry about it. Like, just, it's, this isn't an excuse for indifference, right? And I want to make that very, very clear. Because then, you know, you guys are like showing up at work on Monday. And they're like, you know, uh, where's the, uh, where's the, uh, the uh, I don't know, the, whatever it is you guys have to do for work. Where's the report? Right, there you go. I don't have to turn in reports. I, I, where's the report? You know, on uh, such and such. They're like, ah, don't worry about it. Jesus is going to handle it. It's, he's taking care of it, right? It's not, a, it's not an excuse for indifference. It's not an excuse for, for just, like, letting things go to the wayside, right? I think the Bible is very, very clear that there is... Uh, there's a challenge to us as believers, as Christians, to be excellent in everything we do, right? Colossians 3.23, you know, it says, whatever you do, do it as if unto the Lord, right? So there has to be, as Christians, as believers, we should be working and living and existing on a higher level of excellence and striving for a higher level of, of, of mission and of what we do, whatever we do, whether you're a, whether you're, you're a dad or a mom or a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant or you know, a bus driver, whatever you do, as long as you're doing it with, as unto the Lord, then that becomes worship in and of, of itself, right? And so there's... there's um, value in whatever your job is, whatever your work is, as as long as you're doing it unto the Lord, right? Um, so it's not an excuse to just for indifference, right? But, but Jesus is saying, don't worry. And Paul is saying, don't be anxious about anything, right? And, and when Jesus said, my peace, I give to you, he said that in the moment, the night that he was going to be arrested, he said that my peace I give to you, do not be afraid. He says that in the moment, hours before he was going to be arrested and put on trial and then murdered. So there's this understanding that something here is working beyond what we can see, that there's something greater happening. And the second, the alternative is this, right? Is do not be anxious about anything, but in everything... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request 
to God. See, here's, here's the thing. The, the, the peace that, that Christ is offering, the peace that God is offering to us is inseparable from his presence. In fact, verse 5 uh, that I didn't include there, it says this. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. See, there is a, uh, this, there is a, a, a part that this is inseparable from Jesus. It is the presence of God that allows us to have this peace. And it is not that Jesus is just uh, a passenger in your car, right? It is, it is not just, we're not just asking God to uh, work out the circumstances of our life to benefit our own will and our own desires. And we're not just saying, well, we're going to just, as long as God works things out according to the things that I want to do and the way that I want it, then then that's okay. No, it's, it's a reliance on him because he's near, because he's with us. It is a transferring from on my shoulders, on my chest, in me and in my power and what I can achieve and what I can accomplish and what I can control and a relinquishing of that onto Jesus. It's taking it off of my chest and shoulders and putting it at the feet of Christ. And the, and the, the blessing of that is that, the, that it only works if Jesus is near. And so the, there has to be, the first and foremost, the part of this is there, there needs to be a, a, a harmonious and loving relationship with God here. There needs to be a trust in who he is and a trust in what he will do. But also there needs to be a trust in the way he decides to work it out that I'm going to be okay with that and that I'm going to live with that and that that is good. And that the, the struggle there is trusting is God good? Can I, will I be okay with his results? Right, Because oftentimes we want, we want God to just figure it out in the way that's beneficial to according to what we want or what my desire is or my design or how I want this to work out. And what I believe God is asking from us is a life lived open-handed, where we can put things in God's hands and say, all right, God, everything I have and everything I am, it's because you've given it to me. And so I'm trusting you with it, whether that works out or it doesn't work out the way that I want it to. But it's not just, it's not just fatalism that, well, just wherever the chips lie, we'll just throw it up in the air and we'll see how it goes. No, it's a trust in a God who knows you, who knows your life, who has designed this world and who holds this world in his hand by the word of his voice, by his command. And that everything falls into the rhythm of his goodwill and purpose. You know, Romans 8, 28 says that God works all things for good of those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. God works all things for good. And so the disasters of our life at these moments that, that may be uh, really, really hard and, 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 and struggle and strife and painful, is it just happening at a, weepy, at a whim? Or do we trust that God is good and he's working those out according to his purposes for your life. His purposes for your life. And that's not easy. That's really, really hard. Especially when 
things don't work out in the way that we wanted to, especially in the way that, uh, that when, when we're holding on so tight that God has to pry things out of our hands. But this is the promise. It's, it's that trust and reliance on, on God and his outcome and what he's going to do. And, th- and that comes from a relationship with him. The Lord is near. So maybe there's a, there's a place in, in, in a time for uh, needing to fix some things about the relationship the, with the Lord. And a big part of that, it, part of that piece is maybe there's something that you're holding on to inside. Maybe it's, uh, right, ultimately it's sin, right? Because sin at its core is independence from God. It's saying, I'm going to walk in my way. I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to live my life in the way that I want to. And God, you're welcome to come along for the ride. Just sit in the back. And as long as you don't give me directions, we'll be okay, right? And God is saying, no, no, no. I'm in the driver's seat. You sit in the back and let me take care of things, right? And there may be a place where we need to uh, take some time for, um, for repentance, right? And, 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 and it may be that sin is like a, uh, you know, sometimes I, well, let me read this, actually. Um, in... Psalm 32, uh, David was, so you know what I realized? So this is what happened. I, I had printed out two sets of notes, and one was preliminary, and one was uh, the final one, and I printed out the preliminary one. So I got all the preliminary one up here. That's why I'm struggling. Fortunately for me, I have a Bible with me. <laughs> Psalm 32. David says this, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. And then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. See, sometimes that lack of peace is not because God is not wanting to do something or God is not is holding withholding something, but because we're holding on to something. We're holding on to that sin and it's eating us up inside and it's just creating, it's gnawing at us and it's time to just confess and let it go. Because the promise is that God, that the punishment that brought us peace was upon Jesus' shoulders, that Jesus has made a way for us to live and have life with him and relationship with him. That peace that is in the face of adversity, in the face of oppression, in the face of even death is what's offered to us. It's not an external peace that would mean that would, that would be depending on the circumstances around us being uh, uh, in a positive. It's not like that moment where I'm skydiving and, and all of a sudden because the canopy opens and there's just nothing around, I'm in peace. But it's in the midst of the storm, of the struggle of life. God is offering us a sense of wholeness, of flourishment, of rest, and peace. When we take things off of ourselves and we put them on him. Do not be anxious about anything, 
but in everything. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, this, this promise here is conditional. It says, do this, and then this will happen. If you do this, if you are not anxious about anything because you are presenting everything to the Lord and you're putting it at his feet and you're trusting in him with thanksgiving, and I think that that's really, really important. That's not an afterthought. That's an essential part of it, right? How often are we thankful for the things that God has given us? How often are we, is the thing that's causing us lack of peace is, is my boss or, uh, you know, or a job situation? How often do we stop and say, Lord, I am grateful for the job that I have. I am grateful for the boss that I have. I am grateful for the home that I have. I am grateful for the things in my life. I am grateful for your provision. It says, if, if we do this, if we put it in the Lord's hands, if we are uh, transferred from our anxiety to him by putting it at his feet, this is the peace of God which transcends all understanding. See, again, this peace does not belong to us. It's not in you. It's not something that you have to develop. It's not a skill that you have to work through. It's a gift from God. It's a transfer of our anxiety to his peace. And God is at peace because God knows what's going to happen. Because God knows the future. And because God knows what he's working out for your good and for mine. Because he loves you and wants good things for you and for me. But his good may not be exactly what you think it is or the way you think it is. But it says this peace which transcends all understanding, it is beyond what we can understand. So my father has, uh, is in the late stages of dementia, and has been one of the most difficult parts of my, uh, 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 things that I've had to experience in my life. And um, when my father was first diagnosed, I remember just anger and frustration and struggle and, and disappointment and pain and, uh, but I also remember some of the moments of most clarity of God's presence were moments when I was sitting in the hospital with my dad. Because the promise is not to take away these things. It's not an absence, but it's a presence. I will be with you in these moments and in these difficulties and in this pain and in this struggle. I am sitting there on the hospital floor with you. I am holding you and crying with you. And I felt that and I knew he was there. And it gave me peace in the midst of one of the most difficult moments of my life. It's, and I don't understand why I could have that. But it's that peace of God that transcends all understanding. It is beyond what I can understand. And it doesn't make sense because it's not circumstantial. It's not external. It's internal. Because Jesus is with me. Because Jesus is with you. He offers us that gift. It's more than what we can know. It's more than what we can understand. It's that peace that Jesus had in the garden while facing death itself because death no longer is the worst thing that can happen to us. And I say that as someone who uh, has 
experienced and seen close hand people close to, to me have passed away. But Jesus has conquered death even itself. And so health situations and, and sickness and death itself is not greater than our, the gift of our God and the working out of good that God has for us. And this is why I call it the warrior peace. It says, do not be anxious about anything, anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, check this out, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I work with middle school kids, so allow me to illustrate this point. So say that this candle is, is life. Was your life? It's my life, right? Flickering, we're shining bright, we're doing our thing. And, uh, and then life happens. <laughs> right? Let's move this back a little bit. And then life happens. <laughs> well, life doesn't happen. There we go. Life is happening. <laughs> Life happens. And what happens is it threatens us to blow us out. Right? That's the, that's the fear. That's the struggle. Right? These things that are going on in my life are threatening to destroy me. To end. This, this uh, news from the doctor. This pain. This, this transition in my job. This loss of an apartment. This, this struggle with my family. This, uh, this rift threatens to blow blow it out, right? I'm going to leave that on because it might not, might not turn on again, right? But this is the promise. That the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Life, difficulty, struggle, the pain, right? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You get in the picture of that? Except that this word guard is not a little piece of glass that's going to stand in the way of uh, that's going to stand in the way of of life hitting you. This word is actually a military term. It means garrison. Do you know what a garrison is? It's a force. It's a it's a platoon of soldiers that is stationed at a fortress or a town, and their job is to defend it and to protect it. So if your life is not this candle, but your life is like a little city, right? And the peace of God is a battalion of soldiers that has been assigned to stand guard around your life and protect it 
from the hordes that are coming to try to take it away. That's the peace that Jesus offers. It's not this passive, gentle, like, wishy-washy little, like, nothing, absence of sound and just calm. It's a massive force of power to stand on guard on your behalf, to guard your heart and your mind, to guard that seat of your emotion, to guard your soul inside, but also to guard your thoughts and your mind and your process. That's the promise that God has given to us. That's the promise of Jesus to us. That's why this means so much to us. That's why we can celebrate now in Christmas that Jesus is the Prince of Peace because he stands, the one who neither sleeps nor slumbers, is guarding your heart when you put things out, take things off of yourself and put them in your hands. Whether that's your children, whether that's your job or your career or your circumstances, whether that's whatever it may be, our God stands on our behalf. And so Psalm 4 verse 8, I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Because all that might be going around, whatever, that, whatever life might be throwing at you, the Lord stands guard over our hearts. And that's the promise. And the more uh, present the Lord is in our life, the more that peace is developed in us. Because the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the product of the presence of God in our lives is love, peace. It's number two. It's peace. That whatever the circumstance, whatever might be going, whatever's blowing in our life, Jesus stands guard as long as we entrust ourselves to him. So I want to leave you with this, uh, this verse. And this is uh, Isaiah 43. And I don't think I put it on the... It's fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord, your God. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. The Lord is with us. He is with us. And we can take whatever is creating that anxiety, that struggle, that pain, and we can put it in his hands and trust him with it and know that he is good and that his, his peace is a garrison around us, protecting us. We pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your promises. 
and your love. And uh, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning who might be anxious, might be struggling, might be wrestling with circumstances in their life. And the odds might be so great, and they might feel like these are things that are so powerful. But Lord, I pray that your word would remind us that you are working all things out for good. And that there's nothing too great that we can't trust you with. And I pray that we could leave it in your hands and know that you are working this out for good. And that you are with us through the fire, through the storm, through the waters, through whatever we're going through. And to trust in your outcome and trust in what you are going to accomplish. Thank you, Jesus, for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.